0: Father, help me to speak and communicate from your heart this day, Father. I desire, Father God, to be an instrument that you speak through, Father God. And so I thank you for thinking through my mind, speaking through my lips. Where our dependence today, Father, is not on the flesh, it's not on human ability. It's on the living God. You, Lord, for you said you've made us able ministers. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but it's of you that has made us able ministers of the gospel. Thank you that you've made us all able ministers of your word, Father. We thank you for that. We give you honor today for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, we've been talking about a series here over the last several weeks. In fact, this is part five. I think next week we'll finish it from all all things being equal, amen, unless the Lord changes that, amen. But we've been talking about uh, the name of the series called Effective Powerful Prayer, Effective Powerful Prayer, glory to God. God wants us to have a powerful prayer life, no matter what your age, no matter how long, how short you've been saved, God wants us to have a powerful prayer life. And thus far, we've talked about different steps. We talked about, number one, how to pray God's Word. We went into detail on that. Number two, we talked about understanding the power of righteousness or right standing before God. They're all so powerful. Thirdly, we talked about praying in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, when you pray to the Father, you pray in His name. Praise the Lord. And then... uh, Last week, and this is where I'm going to pick up again, I I thought I'd be finished with this, but the Lord backed me up a little bit here, put it in reverse, said, nope, nope, there's some more things I'm going to share along this line. But the fourth thing for effective, powerful prayer is fellowship with God, fellowship with God, talking to Him, communicating with Him. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Scripture tells us in verse 9, are you ready? God is faithful. Can you say that with me? God is faithful. Oh, he is. So, in other words, you can rely on him. You can count on him. You can always count on the Lord. His faithfulness endures to all generations. Amen. So it says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want you to see there in verse 9 that God is faithful. Say, God is, God is faithful. Okay. Now, pay a close attention to this. This is so important. God is faithful who has called us unto the fellowship. That's the word koinonia. It's partnership, union with God of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, in verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Well, when you're walking with the Lord, you're on the same page. Amen? You know, if if you get a body of believers together, if you get a body of believers together, and they're all fellowshipping with God, you're going to have a similar report. Are you with me? You're going to come to the same judgment. Praise the Lord. Amen? See, the common denominator... In any relationship, if it's God, it's going to be on the solid rock. Amen? You know, through the years, uh, I've had the privilege of marrying several people through the years. uh, You know, some of the marriages didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? And to be honest with you, some of them I felt pressured to do them because they were relatives. And that lasted like a week. You know what I'm saying? But I've learned to say no. <laughs> Amen? Because it's not just my job just to say, oh, sure, put a rubber stamp on it and just marry everybody that comes to me, you know? You want to make sure that, first of all, their house is, you know, that they're building their foundation on a rock. Amen? And so I'm really, you know, up, up front with people that the foundation of a, of a relationship, a marriage union especially, if somebody wants to get married, has to be on the Word of God. Amen? You know, when you buy your vehicle, you get an owner's manual for that particular vehicle, don't you? And every vehicle has a different owner's manual. If you swap them, it get a little confusing because it's different, okay? But when you get a vehicle, whether it's a used one or a new vehicle, there's an owner's manual for that specific vehicle. Now, the owner's manual for supernatural relationships is the Word of God. And if we build relationships based upon the Word of God... It's guaranteed to be a success. Amen? Amen. The problem is, is when we pull away from the things of God and do things separately from the Word of God, and it's building a house on shaky ground, on sandy ground, like the Bible says. Okay, so notice, uh, first and foremost right here, that God is faithful. He's called us to what? The fellowship of His Son. Okay? Okay? So that's the highest calling. We talked about this last week. It's the highest calling that there is, is that fellowship, sweet fellowship with God. Now you can have, just like in the natural, you can have a relationship with somebody, but not develop the fellowship. Okay? You can be legally married to someone, right? From the, according to the law, right? The laws of the land, you can be legally married, but not have fellowship. Okay? And so it is with the Lord. You can have a relationship with God. You can be born again, but never develop that fellowship, that intimacy. That's a better word intimacy with the Lord. And God loves intimacy. He loves being intimate with his kids. He doesn't want a distant relationship. Now, under the Old Testament, he had to separate and said, Don't cross these barriers. Remember that at Mount Sinai? They put the border up and said, If anybody comes across this, they'll be stoned to death or shot with a dart. Because they couldn't get that close to the presence of God. Amen. But under the New Testament, God says, opens the door and says, Come, draw near from me. Come, if any man thirst, let him come to me. Now, God didn't say that under the Old Testament, but Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Praise the Lord. Now notice that uh, verse 9 is talking about you know, fellowship with the Lord. But then verse 10 talks about our relationship with people. Okay? Now I said this last week. I'll say it again. That your walk with God, your fellowship with God is vertical. Alright? We did a series years ago called Going Vertical. Amen? It's just a fancy way of saying get close to God. Your vertical relationship up will affect your horizontal relationship with people. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. When we fellowship with God, there is an exchange involved. There's a divine exchange involved when you speak with the Lord and when you talk with the Lord. And I made mention of the fact last night in the middle of the night, I was laying in my bed. Everybody's asleep. The dog's asleep. Everybody's asleep. And I'm talking with the Lord. You know, you can have a conversation with the Lord under your breath without even moving your lips. Do you know that? Spirit to spirit. You don't have to even open your mouth for him to hear you. Your spirit has a voice. You know what I'm talking about? And I was talking to him. He was talking back to me. There was an exchange taking place. And I was so refreshed by that. Amen. Glory to God. So our vertical relationship with God will affect our horizontal relationship with people. Now once again, let's go look at this scripture in 1 John. Go over to 1 John. John's epistle. And 1 John chapter 1, if you would. just want to read over a couple of things we shared last week here before we move into this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John says this, "...that which was from the beginning..." Who was that? Jesus, right from the beginning, right? That which we've heard, that which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life. That's Jesus. For the life was manifested. That's Jesus. We have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, Zoe life, which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. Praise the Lord. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you may also have fellowship. There's that word with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Koinonia, exchange. There's an exchange that takes place. See, prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. And do you know God will talk to you as much as you want Him to? Do you know that? Now that's kind of foreign to our minds sometimes. We think, what do you mean God's busy running the universe? You know what I'm saying? There's all these people. How in the world can He have that intimacy with every single person? That's what makes God, God. Okay? When natural, carnal-minded people try to figure that out, they say, that's impossible, you know? Why would God want to do that? Well, God is intim- He wants to be intimate with every single child of God. Every Christian, he loves that. The thing, and I've had the Lord speak this to me, the thing that excites him more than anything else, his intimacy with his kids, speaking with his kids. Amen? Have you ever had a conversation with another person, maybe a believer, and you're like, man, I just was so blessed by that conversation. Okay? Okay. Well, do you know the Lord's blessed by our conversation with Him? Do you know there's things that you do that please Him? He's not hard to please. Do you know that? Do you know He's actually pleased with the fact that you got up, left losing an hour of sleep last night, and you came to church today? So am I too. I mean, <laughs> but the Lord is pleased with your obedience to do that. It would have been so easy just, just to say, I'm, I'm not knocking people that didn't show up today. I'm not knocking that at all. But I'm, I'm saying this, that that's pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Because I don't know about you, but I came here today, not just to do the punch card and say that's my Sunday thing to do, but I came here to experience the presence of God here and also through each other. And we experience God's presence through each other. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that, Glenn. Amen? See, a lot of times the devil lied to you. You get up here and you share something, and your mind's like saying, Boy, that won't over real well. That's not like I prepared, you know? And you think, I used to, I used to beat myself up. Oh, my goodness. I'd prepare, and study, and prepare, and get annoyed, and get up, and I felt like I fell flat on my face. I thought, Oh, God, this is, you know, years ago. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? You still obey God. You did what God wanted you to do. And I'll be quite honest with you. When I stand up here and I speak before you, I don't care how many people are here, uh, most of the time I do not have a special feeling. I don't feel the anointing as far as like a goose bump or some special feeling. I get up here by faith because I know God's here. His Word, we're living based on the Word of God. He said He's here in our midst. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. I believe that. Yes. And I act on that. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. And, uh, and every single time I get up, start out in the natural, but then the anointing of God kicks in. They said that Smith Wigglesworth, you know, who's one of the most powerful men of God that ever lived on this earth, uh, would a lot of times get up and stammer and you know, not sound real clear, you know. And just kind of messed up, you know. But then the anointing would hit him and all of a sudden, boom, he would speak so fluently and stuff. And that's not his natural way of talking. But he was a man with like a third grade education. You know what I'm saying? And he depended so much on the Holy Spirit that his weakness became his actual strength. He used to throw me for a loop when I'd read scriptures like Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He says, when I am weak, then am I strong. I glory in infirmities. I glory in necessities. Well, is he just trying to be a glutton for punishment? No, he says, the Lord showed him, when I am weak, then I'm strong. When you feel the weakest and the most inability in your life about any situation... That's when God's grace can come through all the more. Because when it does, you know where it came from. Amen. See, I know I know in my own life, you know, that one of my greatest weaknesses, and we all have different weaknesses, but one probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest weakness that I had was the ability to speak in front of people. It was one of the greatest fears that I had. Because I failed miserably at it. I was so backwards and so shy and so like, you know what I mean, and if I had to do anything publicly in school and stuff like that, I made an absolute mess of it. You know what I'm saying? So that, with that background that I had, you know, I, when the Lord started knocking, tapping on my shoulder—not literally, but speaking to me—deal with me by going into the ministry. Man, the only thing I could think of was my utter failure. I could, I, I, yet I felt this urge and desire to preach God's word, you know, and go into the ministry, you know, and. Uh, Long story short, you know, I finally I I submitted to God. I said, Okay, Lord, I'll do it. And he showed me back then, this is way back in the in the seventies, early, early eighties, he said, Look, I didn't call you because you're some great orator or some great speaker. The Bible says God hath chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. Well in my eyes I was foolish. I couldn't even comprehend standing up and getting off of my notes and speaking something, you know, uh, ad lib, so to speak. I couldn't even comprehend that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the first time I ever spoke publicly was at Rainbow Bible Training Center. And it was in front of about 200 people. And it was behind the same pulpit that Brother Hagin taught daily with healing school. The same pulpit that is called SDC1. (laughs) Student Developed center, building number one, okay? And, and part of our curriculum was, you know, we had to speak, you know, give a, what, a 10, what was it, a 15-minute sermon, something like that, and I was scared spitless, literally. And, uh, man, I, my wife helped me prepare, you know, she actually preached before I ever did. She did, okay? She was ahead of me. And, uh, uh, but she helped me, you know, we got those little... You know, recipe cards, three by five cards. I wrote everything out. I mean, I literally wrote every single word out. I was going to speak. Because I was not acclimated to the anointing. I wasn't. I knew it was there. I knew it was available. But I would never operated in that. Okay? And so the day came. You know, they would usually take in a class, any given class, four to five students will get up and share. And then they would grade you on that. You know, the professor would be there. All the students are checking you out. You know what I'm saying? And uh, my time, my time came, and I got up behind the pulpit. I went to open my mouth, and like nothing came out. I was my mouth. It was like every piece of moisture, in my mouth just vanished all of a sudden. It was like, you know what I'm saying? And I just, it felt like an eternity was just hanging in the balance right there. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm thinking every thought I could think of was going through my mind. You know, and here's my cards, and I'm grasping those. So I started to share from what I had, okay? But as I shared, you know, and I had to stick to my notes and stuff like that, but as I began to share, in fact, I still have that sermon on cassette tape. I won't let you hear it, but but it turned out okay, you know. But I remember as I shared, um, as I was sharing a thought would come to me, an idea would come to me, and I would interject that in the message. Okay? And I thought, that's the first time I ever had that happen to me. I was like, wow. Now, it didn't happen until I stood up there and opened my Bible and started to share. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I felt this presence on me that I had never felt before. Now, I, did, I didn't have the privilege of ministering to like three people in a little Bible study. We're in front of 200 people at the Rainbow Bible Training Center. Are you with me now? And um, so... That was my starting point. You know what I'm saying? That was my starting point. And what, what became, what was initially my greatest weakness, I had to give to God. Amen? And depend upon Him. And depend upon Him. And it's been over 40 years now, speaking thousands of times through the years to different groups of people and so forth. But I've, I've learned, I'm not saying I've mastered it, but I've learned to really depend on Him where I was so weak, where I was so weak and had no ability whatsoever, God's strength began to come upon me. Amen? Amen. So I know firsthand my sufficiency is of the Lord. It's not of myself. (laughs) Amen? So whatever areas that you feel weak in or not... Accomplishing certain things in your life, you know, where you feel the weakest, whatever that is, that's where God's grace can come through and literally uphold you and strengthen you in those areas that you feel weakest in the most. Amen? Brother Hagin used to say, because people come to him and said, Would you pray for me? I need healing. And a lot of people were looking to him instead of God, you know, like he's the healer. But he used to make these statements, you know, that were like, wow, that's pretty interesting. He said, look, I couldn't heal a fly's eyeball. I couldn't heal a gnat's wing. And it's true. He says, I'm not the healer, but Jesus Christ is the healer. And what would he do? He would point to the Lord. He would point to the Lord. Amen? And so people will come under that, Anointing instead of looking to a man, they're looking to God. Praise the Lord. You with me now? So, John said this right here in verse 9 we have this fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and so forth and so on. I'm writing these things unto you that your joy may be full. So, is it God's will that we have full joy? Yes. Even while you go through some trouble? <laughs> yes. Amen. Even while you're going through stuff, of course, God wants us to draw near to Him and have joy, like the Bible says, unspeakable, full of glory. Praise the Lord. We have to, you have to decide when you get up in the day, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what looks broken here and there, you have to decide, I'm going to have a good day with the Lord, I'm going to fellowship with Him, and my joy does not come from outward circumstances, it comes from God Himself. Praise the Lord. Even while there's brokenness in your life, even while there's lack in your life or whatever, you look to the Lord and that joy comes from Him. Are you with me now? Okay. Now, again, this fellowship is the key or the parent of real true faith. Communion with the Lord, fellowship with Him, talking with Him. God loves when we talk things over to Him, when we communicate with Him and tell him, and talk to him, communicate with him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this whatever. And you begin to give thanks to him, and you develop, and you, you know, cultivate that communion, that relationship, all right? Now, I wrote down here, like we said this last week, and this is where we'll get into this today. The reason that a lot of believers, some believers, not a lot, but the reason that some believers have a hard time in fellowship with God is number one, they don't even know that it's available. They don't even know that it's, it's an option, okay? Another, and, and another tag along that line too is this. A lot of times people that grew up in, in a broken family, in a bad family relation, you know, bad situation, you know, where there was division, there was strife, there was alcoholism, drugs, any kind of thing like that, you know, where your parents, you know, something like that, That can cause issues in people's lives where they can't seem to relate to a loving father because they didn't have that growing up. They were scolded, they were yelled at, they were disciplined, but they didn't have a relationship with their parents. And so they correlate that into their relationship with God, okay? Sometimes parents can be, you know, back in the day, they could be real hard on kids, real hard on their, their son or their daughter, you know? And sometimes people translate that when they get saved, is that the way my Father is towards me? Are you with me now? Okay. Now the second thing I want to talk about here is the reason that some believers have a hard time fellowshipping with God is because of delays and disappointments. Delays and disappointments. Everybody here has had some type of delay or disappointment. Can I have an amen? Amen. Okay, especially when it comes to delay. You're trusting the Lord, you're looking to Him, you're believing Him. And we all have a tendency to look at our clock, look at our calendar, and say, My God, how long is this going to take? Okay? But there's something about persevering through that stuff and pressing into the Father. Like I said last week, you know, Job made a statement, and he didn't know there was a devil. He said this statement. He says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He thought God was doing all that. You know what I'm saying? But I love his heart because he says, Though this stuff's going on, I'm still going to trust him. And his so-called comforters, his friends that came to him and gave him bad news. Right? He says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so because of delays and disappointments, a lot of times people have a hard time pressing through to the Father. And it's as if that disappointment keeps them on the outside of the Holy of Holies instead of going into where God wants us to go. But the Lord wants to invite us all into His very presence, into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus, even while we're in the midst of going through stuff. Amen? Amen? That's what really pleases the Lord. Instead of staying... And the outer court, and God's saying, No, you come on in here. You come in the Holy of Holies. You come in here and be with me. Get intimate with me because that's ultimately the thing that's going to help you break through that troubled situation. And so, what we don't want to do is we don't want to wait for everything to be perfect before we go before the Lord. (laughs) Right? Even while we're feeling broken, even while we're feeling disappointment, even while we're feeling discouraged. And even while we're feeling symptoms of depression, go right before the Lord because that's where the solution is. That's where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 10 again. And uh, we're going to look at this scenario here once again with Martha and Mary. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. If you talk with God, you're going to have a good day. (laughs) Amen. And it says in verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, It came to pass that as they went, they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him, that's Jesus, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha was cumbered about, or troubled about with much serving, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord... Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Bid her that she may come and help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful about and troubled about many things. Do you see that? Not just one thing, many things. But one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. The message says... Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting worked up about nothing. But one thing is essential. Mary hath chosen, and it's the main course, and it will not be taken from her. Amen? The Amplified says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about a whole lot of things. Amen? So you have these two sisters here. I love this Luke chapter 10. I just love this because it, it really locates where a lot of us are at at times. Amen. And here you have Jesus, the Son of God, coming into their house. It's not every day that you have the Son of God show up at your doorstep. Now it's, it can happen every day with all of us. Amen. But Jesus manifests in the flesh, literally in the flesh, came and had, you know, Jesus, they had a brother named Lazarus, of course, and Jesus, was, Jesus loved this family. He loved his sisters and Lazarus. The Bible says that. But they were preparing a meal, and of course, Martha was upset, and she misjudged her sister. She did, didn't she? Because Mary, it looked... And it seemed as if, to Martha, that Mary was being slothful, lazy. So she's out there doing her thing, preparing food in the kitchen. She's getting, the more she did it, the more troubled and aggravated she became. In other words, she had an attitude about her sister. Did she not? She finally got fed up and she walked out there. And she really thought that Jesus would back her up. She did because uh, Jesus, she had an attitude and she really felt in her heart that she was justified and that Jesus would back her up, but it backfired on her for good reason. You with me? That she was justified in her mind. She actually condemned her sister. Think about that. How do you think Mary felt sitting there? She probably felt wrongly accused. But Jesus solved that whole situation. She says, bid her, in other words, tell my sister, stand up, come in here in the kitchen, help me, let's prepare this meal, you know what I mean? And, you know, she was thinking Jesus would say, "Uh, Mary, why don't you go help your sister? Okay? But he actually, Jesus, the Son of God, corrected her. Corrected Martha. He said, Martha, Martha. You're troubled about a lot of things. Amen. He was loving. He still loved her. He was correcting her. He said, you're just troubled. you got a troubled heart. you got a troubled spirit. Now, it's not too interesting because she's doing a good thing. She's preparing a meal for Jesus, right? You can do the right thing, but not have a peaceful heart in the midst of it. Are you with me? Her trouble was she was judging her sister, thought, you're just being old lazy bones. You're just sitting there just listening to Jesus, you know, trying to get out of the work here, you know. But Jesus himself corrected her. Amen. I love it. He said, Martha, Martha, you're 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 troubled about many things, but this one thing is needful. Mary has chosen the best part. Well, what did Mary choose? Mary chose to sit there and hear and listen to what They were having a conversation. They were having koinonia. They were having fellowship. She wanted to hang on every word that he was saying. Are you with me? Right? And she was absorbing everything Jesus was saying and then Martha just interrupted that whole thing. But Jesus corrected her. He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things, but this one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen the good part or the best dish, which shall never be taken away from her. Can you imagine her response? She's probably like, oh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if she was upset, but it sure was, was a loving correction, wasn't it? said, wait a minute, you know, you're just, you're busy, you're busy, you're, you're not just troubled, Martha, about this, this one incident right here. You're troubled about many things. How did he know that word of knowledge? Amen? You can, it's amazing how you can be even doing good deeds for God, in the name of God, but have a troubled spirit. But God wants us, to, if we're doing anything, He wants us to have peace while we're doing it. Serving God with Peace. Serving God with joy. Amen. God even told Israel, he says, because you you didn't serve, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, one of the part of the curse was, he said, because you serve not the Lord your God with joy and gladness, that these curses would come upon them. Do you remember that? Well, see, God wants us to serve him, but not just serve him, he wants us to do it with joy. Amen in a sense, I'm serving right now. But you know, I'm pretty excited about this. Amen? I'm joyful about this. If I'm not joyful about my own message, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Mm. But this one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Glory to God. So what was she she doing? She was having koinonia. She was having fellowship with the Lord. uh, Let's move on to this and the rest of this right now. That when you hear from the Lord in any given situation, you're hearing wisdom. When God speaks, it's always wisdom. If it's one word He speaks to you, Like He told Peter, come. Remember that? Come out of the boat, come to Him. He said, one word, come. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. Are you with me? When God speaks to us, it will produce wisdom in every situation. Here's something that came to me recently, and I wrote this down here. I had this in my journal, you know. Someone much smarter than me now lives in me. Someone much smarter than me now lives within me. Now if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. And I want want to show you something here. You You know, we're going to talk a little bit here just for a minute about Solomon. Solomon was David's son, of course. And if we have time, we'll read about his situation here. Jesus said in verse 42, The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with his generation and shall condemn it. That's, you know, Queen of Sheba. She came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And Jesus said, And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now, We know from the scripture, if we might read this, if we have time, that Solomon had asked, the Lord asked him, he said, what would you like me to do for you? What will you desire? And Solomon said, Lord, you've been so gracious to my father, and you've entrusted me with the leadership of my father now that he's leaving, that he's gone, you know. And he said, that's a huge responsibility. I'm paraphrasing. He says, uh, says, I'll tell you what I need. And he's asking the Lord. He says, Lord, I, I need wisdom and knowledge to know how to treat your people, to know how to communicate to them, to make accurate judgments, to be a right leader, a godly leader to these people. Okay? And the Lord spoke back to him, fellowship. The Lord spoke back to Solomon. He says, because you didn't ask for wealth and riches and the life of your enemies and long life and all these things. He goes, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you wealth and riches and all the stuff that goes along with it. And he says, there will never be another person like that in the earth. And with God's wisdom, it was God's wisdom. It wasn't just Solomon. Because it didn't, this didn't come to him after, after, until he asked for it. Okay. And that scripture tells us that he wrote over 3,000 Proverbs, but we don't have 3,000 here. But like the Queen of Sheba, word got out. This is before the days of the internet, you know, and social media, you know. This is word of mouth, okay. Riding on donkeys, talking to people, right. (laughs) And word got out to the queen that was hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Africa. And she heard about his wisdom. She says, I've got to get to him. I've got to get to him. And so people would come from from near and far and sit at his feet just to hear him speak. Hallelujah. Why? Because he was speaking from God's wisdom. What he said was God's wisdom. Are you with me? And so, when Jesus came along, He says, as great as Solomon was, He goes, I say unto you, a greater than Solomon is here. Say, whoa. (laughs) Wow. What's that about? Up until that point, everybody knew this wisdom of Solomon. But Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. He's talking about Himself. Amen. Because guess who gave Solomon that wisdom? It was Jesus. It was Him that gave Him this wisdom. So now Jesus is getting their attention off of Solomon and getting more to Him. Amen. It's just like on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter, James, and John were up there. And there appeared Moses and Elijah with Jesus, you know. And Peter spoke up and said, this is a good place for Him. So let's, let's build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And there came a voice, it was God's voice from heaven, said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. God didn't say, Hear them. He said, Hear him. Moses and Elijah were two amazing prophets in the Old Testament, right? They're having a conversation with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've been gone for years. And yet God said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to what He has to say. Amen? The Bible says in the Gospel of John that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen? So the real person we're supposed to really listen to is Jesus. Okay? Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm making a point here. Someone much smarter than you, if you're a believer, lives on the inside of you. Glory to God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, I love this scripture. This is absolutely awesome. It says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus? Can I ask you a question? Are you in Christ Jesus? If you're born again, you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? That shows your relationship. You are now, but of him are you in Christ. That's a preposition. You're in Christ Jesus. Going back to your English class. Shows relationship. You're in Christ now, right? But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who has been made unto us, what? The first thing he says is wisdom. And righteousness. And sanctification. And redemption. Four things. Four things. You're not in yourself, you're in Christ Jesus, and He has been made unto you number one, wisdom, number two, righteousness, number three, sanctification, number four, redemption. You have all that because you're in Christ Jesus. You're righteous because you're in Christ, you're holy because you're in Christ. You have redemption because you're in Christ Jesus. You're no longer in yourself. You've heard the phrase, they're stuck on themselves, you know. Well, you know, in the natural, Christians, if they don't understand this, they won't understand. They can be stuck on themselves. Amen? But we're not in ourselves, we're in Christ Jesus. But notice the first thing. He's been made unto us what? Wisdom. Wisdom. So in other words, there's someone Inside of you, there's another person living inside you, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father God. Even Jesus himself in the Gospel of John said, if a man will love me, he says, we will come, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We'll make our abode, our home on the inside. Hallelujah. How many of you know Jesus? Okay. You have... (laughs) the wisdom of God in you because that's where God lives, on the inside of you. You have it already on the inside of you. You have the wisdom that you need. Well, if that's the case, then why why don't I know what to do? Because we have to acknowledge it. Amen? Everybody smile a little bit. I know you need some sleep this morning here, but you the Bible says that in Philemon... That the acknowledgement of our faith may become effectual. That the communication of our faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I'll paraphrase. Your, Your faith will become effectual, effective. We're talking about effective prayer, right? How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Wow. Oh, say hallelujah. <laughs> but of him. Are you in Christ Jesus? Like you, I've faced times where I faced situations where I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what from the natural, I didn't know what to do. But knowing What I know, praise God for what we do know, there's someone smarter than me that lives on the inside of me. Now, how do I get that wisdom inside me to come up out of me into my mind where I'm like, oh, okay, I know what to do now. All right? The biggest key, the biggest key to getting the wisdom from out of your spirit up to your mind is first to realize it's already in your spirit. It's in there because you're in Christ Jesus. He's been made unto you wisdom. It's already there. Amen? Amen. Proverbs says it like this. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. He said, counsel is in the heart of a man as deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it up like a well. It says, counsel is in the heart, or wisdom is in the heart of man as deep, that's in your spirit, as deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Okay, Well, we just talked about Philemon says that the communication of your faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Well, if you don't know every good thing, which, if you're a Christian, but you don't know what dwells in you, you can't draw it up. Hallelujah. So how do we, how do we apply this? You know what I mean? You're facing a situation, you've got to have answers. You, know? you don't know what to do. Well, here's what I know works. First of all, acknowledge the greater one. First John 4 4 says, You're of God little children. You've overcome those devils and demons. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives inside of you. That's what 1 John 4 says. The greater one now lives on the inside of you. Who is that? Jesus. Is Jesus smart? Is he wise oh yeah even a little conversation with the lord is going to make you much smarter all of us i think the lord loves it when we we seem baffled sometimes because he knows you can't do it in yourself but i can do it through you amen like i said paul said when i'm weak when you feel the weakest And you feel like, my God, I've done everything I know to do. Okay, he's waiting for you to come to your end. (laughs) Like all of us sometimes. We come to our rope's end, they're like, oh, where do I go there? God, that's the safest place you can be. Trusting him, leaning on him, looking to him. Amen? Well, the scripture tells us, you know, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? And I'm going to talk about my spiritual dad, Brother Hagin, my spiritual father. The Lord chose me to sit underneath him. It was his choice. It was not my choice. My choice was to do something else, go somewhere else. That wasn't God's choice. His choice was for me to do that. But, you know, we can experience God through other people. Are you with me now? So I'm laying there last night in my bed, you know, and I'm I'm communicating with the Lord and I'm just just kind of being neutral, you know, and and I and I was talking to the Lord, having a conversation with him, koinonia, fellowship with him. And I said, I said, Father, the person that's had I told him, I said, Lord, the person that has had the most influence on me spiritually is Kenneth Hagin. Yet I didn't know him personally. Uh, He laid hands on us to get ordained into the ministry, you know, but we didn't have a conversation. I shook his hand on one occasion, you know, but we never had a conversation. Yet his life and his ministry impacted me and my wife more than any human on this earth. And the Lord, the Lord's the one that did that. Amen. And so my spiritual development, my spiritual growth largely came into being because of that man's obedience to follow after the will of God. He didn't even want to start a Bible school. He he wasn't interested in that. But God kept talking to him, said, nope, you're going to start a Bible school. And he didn't want to do that. He said, okay, Lord, if you tell me to do it, you're going to have to supply, leaning on his grace, right? You're going to have to supply all the finances and everything, you know. And sure enough, the Lord did. But I was having a conversation with the Lord last night about that, and I said, Lord, and I never had talked to the Lord about that before. But in my fellowship with him, I said, Father, I just want to thank you. Now, we're not putting man up here. You understand what I'm saying? We're not putting man on a pedestal, but God uses people. God uses people. And I said, Father, I was so thankful to be able to sit physically you know, physically be in the same same building and sit at his feet, like Paul sat at the feet of Gamal, you know, before he was saved, right? Well, I was able to sit at his feet and honor that man and honor the gift that was on the inside of him. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, tell your servant and your son, Brother Kenneth, tell him how much I love him and appreciate him, and let him know that it's because of his obedience that it, my life has been absolutely changed. In fact, I would have never met my lovely wife had it not been for Kenneth Hagan Because we met in a church that was pastored by a Rhema graduate that start, if you go back upstream, Brother Hagin. Okay? So as I was following the Lord and following through him, we connected. Okay? And the rest is history. You know what I'm saying? But... I said, let him know. Let him know how thankful and, I, and grateful I am. And you know what the Lord spoke back to my heart? I didn't expect this, but I'm having fellowship. I'm fellowship with the Lord. He said, Keith, he knew to a certain degree while he was on this earth that his ministry impacted people and nations, but not to the degree that he sees and knows it now because he's with me. And he sees accurately the number of people and families, thousands of them, probably millions across the globe, even now through his teachings and tapes and CDs and videos that people come to the Lord as a result of that. Praise the Lord. I wasn't planning on saying that this morning, but but in actuality when we're, we're hearing from the Lord. I was like a little baby bird with my mouth wide open. I'm like, man, just, I just want all the wisdom that I can get. And here's a man that's been in the ministry for 50 some years and teaching from that, you know, from that anointing, from that prophetic anointing that he had. Glory to God. And it just speeded up the learning process because otherwise it would take forever. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. What am I trying to say? We can Gather up the wisdom of God by what we hear from other people, other ministries, and so forth. But the most important thing we can begin to do as far as drawing on that wisdom, okay, that's on the inside of us, is confess, I have the wisdom of God. Say, I have have. the the wisdom of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. So I say that, oh, Father, I thank you. I pray that every day for myself, my family, for the church family. I pray it every single day. Lord, you said in James chapter 1, right here, if any man lacks wisdom, well, we all lack wisdom in some ways. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men, liberally, and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Amen. So he says, ask for this wisdom. And that wisdom is the the same kind that Solomon operated in. I'm expecting Solomon's wisdom, because it came from Jesus to rise up in every one of us that I'm praying for. All of you. Okay? How many of you could use some answers in certain areas right now? (laughs) Okay? And dealing with relationships and different things that are, you know, kind of tugging on you. You know what I'm saying? We need wisdom, don't we? Well, the first, first way, and I'll leave you with this this morning, is to tap into the wisdom of God. First Corinthians 1.30, Christ has been made unto us. First of all, wisdom. So you decree and declare, Father, in the midst of your baffledness, if that's a word, you say, Lord, I thank you, though I may not know what to do right now, I, dec- I thank you that the wisdom of God is on the inside of me, that Jesus has been made unto me wisdom. Hallelujah. And so I draw... I confess, that's a better way to say it. I confess, I have God's wisdom right now. Praise the Lord. Well, what do you do when you say that and you still don't know what to do? You hang on to that. You don't waver. Like it says, if you ask for wisdom, don't waver. For if you waver, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what you want to do is you want to hold fast to that. You say, nope, I have the wisdom. Just like healing. Okay? You confess healing, but you still feel pain. You confess healing, but you still feel sick. You hold fast to the confession of your faith because everything else will rise up to that. Amen? Back in this room, I'm looking at it right now, there's a thermostat back there. Okay? That thermostat will control everything. The temperature in this room, but it has to be set. If you want it warm, you press the button, whatever temperature that you want, whether cold or hot. Okay? And that that thermostat will control ultimately the temperature in this room. The thermostat of your life is your tongue, it's your tongue. And either, we will either rise or fall to the level of what we're saying. Amen. I, uh, years ago, I'll close with this. I was at a, we were at a seminar over in Ohio. You know, Brother Hagin was there in uh, Canton, Ohio. And we were staying in a hotel, which was right next to the church, you know. It was like a Days Inn or something like that. Or Hampton Inn, actually. And... um we were on like the third floor this year. We were there a couple of times. But we were on the third floor. That's where our, our hotel room was. And when I got into, the, got into the lobby, you know, we had been there for a day or two, and I just wasn't thinking. I got onto the uh, elevator, and I pressed 1 Well, I was already on 1. Okay? I thought I pressed 3, but I pressed 1. I was already on level 1. Okay? I was wondering why it wasn't moving. All of a sudden, the door's open. I still see the main lobby. I'm like, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> All of a sudden, it dawned on my mind, you press the wrong button. Okay? So, in other words, when if I want to go to floor three, what do I have to do? Press what? Three. three. I have to call it fourth. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, but I press the button. It's calling me to go up to three. Right? Well, that that's exactly what our tongues do. Our tongue is like the rudder of the ship or the bit in a horse's mouth. James talks about that. And our our tongue controls the whole course of life. Okay? Someone says, I just call it like it is. Well, that's like going on one and you press one and you stay there, right? You want to go to three, but you keep pressing one. Well, that's what I did. All right. So if, if we want wisdom, we call it forth. I say, Father, I thank you That I have the wisdom of God. You're calling that forth. Father, you said in your word, let the weak say, I am strong. That's calling it forth. Let the sick say, I am healed. Well, I'd be lying if I said that, brother Keith. No, you're not lying. You're calling things that be not as though they were. That's how God's faith operates. It calleth those things which be not as though they were. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we call with our mouth. Okay? So I just want to leave you with that this morning because there's wisdom is in the heart of a man like deep waters, but we have to call it forth. Lord, I thank you today that I am healed. Still got the pain in your body. I am I'm, I'm still the symptoms in my body. I call forth. I thank you, Lord. I'm healed. I'm healed. You're not lying. You're calling the truth. You're speaking the truth of the word of God. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pretty good for a daylight savings time, right? Hallelujah. You, you call those things. You call, it, Father, thank you that I'm not clueless. I have wisdom. See, the more you talk, about, you talk about your inabilities, you talk about your lack of strength, of lack of resources, lack of this, lack of that, you'll always come down to that level. You'll stay on that level. But God wants us to come out and come up to a higher level by saying what He says, declaring what He says. And every time that we do, we'll be like an airplane that just climbs elevation, that keeps going up, keeps going up, keeps going up, because our tongue is like the rudder. It will control our destiny. We'll ultimately get up to that place. Amen.